Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot code SUPER24. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's good, everybody? Welcome to the Believe in Heat podcast sponsored by Bet Online. We are in the middle of the Eastern Conference Finals series tied up 2-2 between the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat. And on this week's episode, we're going to do things a little bit differently. I had the great pleasure of talking with Josh Fisher. He is one of the producers on the Believe Network, and he took things from the Boston Celtics standpoint, and I took things from the Miami Heat standpoint. So we're going to have a great conversation coming up here in a little bit after we pay our bills, of course. But as always, make sure you stay tapped in to me on Twitter at Shaw Sports NBA and everything happening on the Believe Network. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of your latest odds, news, and sports developments for the NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, fights, and NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all sports wagering needs, including live betting and the fan-favorite Vegas Casino poker games. It's really easy to get started. Head to the website and use your mobile device to sign up and use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Joshua Fisher here, one of the lead producers for the Believe Network. We're on Believe in Celtics, and we have got Warren Shaw of Believe in Heat. We're doing a little cross-pod today to talk about Game 4. We could get into Game 3 because it was kind of a... Three of the four halves were very similar. Uh, The second half of Game 3, the Celtics exploded and got back into things. Uh, The garden looked electric when Marcus Smart left. We thought he'd be my buddy turned to me in the middle of the game, goes, he's done for two weeks. He comes hobbling back in out of the locker room. Our training staff, as Trey Young said, is incredible. Hits a three, the garden explodes. Celtics bring it within one of Game 3, end up losing by nine. Come out, guns blazing. At one point, it was like 14 to one. It was like 16 to one. The heat hadn't hit a shot till old Depot was like 18 to one. And there's 18 to four. And the Celtics really had their way with him. Marcus smart, not playing and Tyler Harrow, not playing. Uh, And I felt curious to see how you feel Warren that Marcus smart means way more to the Celtics than Tyler Harrow does to the heat and nothing against Tyler Harrow. Six men of the year is a great shooter. And obviously there were situations where, Struce, if he's cold, Harrow obviously spells that or takes away a lot of those minutes. You're not getting that 0 for 7 or whatever Struce ended up with. Uh, he was 0 for 7 at a point. Um, but I was I was pleasantly happy, pleasantly surprised that the Celtics came out and whopped him. But what were some of your big takeaways? Were you, were you kind of shocked watching that first half? Yeah, from Mommy's perspective, you know, it's, it's one of those things, especially after they they know that they almost blew game three, despite having a, a great lead. So you'd figure they'd come out and 
be ready for whatever Boston's best punch was going to ultimately be. But as you alluded to, you know, it's coming out and, you know, one point in the first, whatever it was, five, six minutes, and Oladipo had to kind of quote unquote save them to get the, the, the train on the track, so to speak, was really rough. But to your point specifically, when it comes to Marcus Smart and, and Tyler Hero, um, I do believe you're 100% correct. I, 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 it's a, it's a weird take and I'll get, and I'll give it to you in this way. I think Boston, like the, sum of their parts are different than the Miami. Some of their parts, Miami really has been playing with sometimes their 11th, 12th and 13th guys kind of throughout the course of the season. That's how Spolster's kind of cultivated this roster because they've had so many injuries. They've had COVID stuff. I mean, as all teams did earlier in the year as well too, but literally in and out, in and out, in and in and out. And Boston really hit their stride this year. Once, they stopped having that inconsistency in their lineups. Once Marcus Smart and Robert Williams and all those guys were starting to play consistent minutes. So for me, Miami is better equipped to play without guys than Boston technically is, and so to speak. But that doesn't mean Boston's top guys are better than Miami's top guys, if that makes sense. No, I feel you. And they, I mean, look, you get you get to Boston's bench. There's a bunch of guys, once you get 9 to 13, that shouldn't be seeing the court in any playoff capacity. Exactly. Aaron Neesmith, um, you can't run a guy. I've done it for Romeo Langford, and I'll stand by that. But outside of Romeo Langford, you can't run a guy off the court or give up on a guy too quickly. How many times have we seen, especially a guy whose bread and butter is the three-point shot? You don't want to be the team that gives up on Aaron Neesmith. He finds his rhythm, finds his shot, and next thing you know, he's scoring 15 points a game, and he's, forty. most importantly, 42% from three which is something when the Celtics traded for Derek White, who had an excellent game, so handsy in the first half. Um, I wanted us to somehow pry away Doug McDermott. Obviously, contracts, the Spurs felt they could contend. They get to the playoffs. But I wanted us to be in the mix with Doug McDermott, too, to give us that ninth spot kind of on the bench or 10th spot in the bench. But having Rob Will, although he went to the locker room in the game, is huge. The ability for the Celtics to play so big, Against Bam Adebayo, who was neutralized in this game after having an excellent game three. Rob Will, Horford, and Tatum, who's 6'10 and put on exceptional muscle, as we've seen this season. Tatum was the third biggest guy in the court for the Celtics. It's incredible the size they were able to put out there. Today. The defense was as good as, you know, Tatum was offensively. He got to the line so much. I mean, Brown had a horrible offensive game. Yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised that Brown's, um, I don't know, just kind of overall, just he's he's really struggling handling the basketball and and, and getting to, into the teeth of, of Miami's defense. And I tell people all the time, like he's not he's not the dribbler he thinks he is. Um, but at the same time, he sometimes he euro steps and he, he's able to get by. He's able to have some acrobatic finishes, but ultimately, you know, he's he he really shouldn't be handling the ball and should be coming off of the screens and and getting stuff in action as opposed to trying to create for himself. And I think Miami's <clears throat> is 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 intimately aware of that. The issue though, going back to your early point though, when it comes to Bam, is yeah, you know, Time Lord when he's out there really is again, it's just another long, rangy, smart defender. Now you can't just go ahead and, and get by guys. I, I know. You know, I spoke to my guy, Keith Smith, on the Believe in Heat podcast, you know, a couple couple of weeks ago, talking about in the bubble where Bam Adebayo took over um, in that final, in that closeout game. And Daniel Tice was just on his heels. Nothing he could do. Tice is now the fourth big when when when, when Rob Williams is around, you know, and, and Tice doesn't have to play. Maybe he's even the fifth big, you know, if, you, if you're considering Grant Williams and if you can bring Tatum as a, as a big in, in that lineup as well. So it just moves Tice further down the road and Bam Adebayo cannot lick his chops and get to the will, get to the rim at will. 
um, unfortunately. But he's still got to figure out his, his level of aggression. Um, Miami, like a lot of teams, they run, they run a lot of dribble handoffs, and he's not getting um, the, the requisite movement off of his handoffs and getting into the teeth of the defense the way that he has throughout the course of the regular season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I they couldn't get him in a rhythm. Jimmy was off. I don't know if it was the injury he suffered last game, yeah. uh, but he shot pretty abysmally. And it's so interesting because they got to the line and like, go to game one. Look how they got to the line. And you know what? Tatum had a very similar game to Jimmy had in that game where Jimmy didn't hit any threes. Like Tatum had like 24 in the first half or whatever and didn't hit any threes. Yeah. And it's so it's funny. I mean, we've gotten I've gotten discussions recently. We look at the Golden State Warriors, you know, to get ahead of the skis for the Celtics and the Heat's perspective, looking down the road, winner of this team will presumably, unless for the first time in NBA history, a 3-0 team loses the lead uh, to the Dallas Mavericks. That team li- has not lived and died by the three because that discredits them as a ball club, but their bread and butter throughout the last eight years and they've been dominant has been the three ball. They've changed quote unquote, changed the NBA. They've made the three paramount. But if you look at the three MVP candidates this year, the three ball isn't necessarily any of those guys games. In fact, it's just like another tool. It's like their third or fourth pitch for two of them. And for one of them, it's like every time Giannis shots, shoots a three, the Celtics fans are pretty much up in the air out of their seats. Jimmy didn't need to score three and doesn't need to score three. But the only thing that the heat, once they were down heavily, Missing Harrow hurt them. Not being able, not having your best score or best two scores be real threats from the three point land. Oladipo was the only guy that showed up for Miami. Yeah. Um, which couldn't, which shouldn't have been the case. Yeah. I mean, it's great for his, his overall confidence. And I think if you listen to the telecast and if you're following NBA Twitter as well, too, another positive sign, at least potentially for Miami, or not another, but one positive sign is. You know, Duncan Robinson got off the he got off the bench and he hit four of eight from the three-point line. And you know, for him to continue to stay ready for Miami is is a huge thing, especially if the hero injury is going to linger throughout the course of this series. Then at least Duncan could potentially come in and then at least be the threat because he is he is catch and shoot. He doesn't need a lot of space, and he's just lost a little bit of his confidence ever since being replaced in the starting starting lineup by Max Struess. And that's primarily because of Struess's ability or at least want to play defense. So I think by default, if Hero is going to miss any more time in this series, you will see going to, you're going to see more Duncan Robinson coming off those curls and coming off those screens. And even Duncan's getting a little smarter now as well, too, where every now and then you'll see him take the ball to the rim. Every now and then he'll he'll put you know two dribbles and try to elevate and you know get to get to a layup. So uh, that is a positive sign. I think if if you're the Miami Heat, like he was five eleven, four of eight from three, and obviously what Oladipo did, and I think the rest of it you just throw away. Lowry didn't do anything. Struess didn't do anything. Butler three of fourteen. Obviously, uh, you know a Hero was hurt. Uh, there's there's not a whole lot you can take from this, especially from the starters' perspective. But at least maybe two of your bench guys gave you a little bit of something that you can build on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the Celtics switched from them so nicely. Speak of Duncan Robinson's defense. I felt like every time they wanted to get Duncan Robinson on Tatum, they were able to do that. Uh, yeah. Gabe, I, Gabe Vincent, I'll give him some credit. I felt that, you know, offensively it was limited today, but I think that on the defensive end, I appreciate his scrappiness. I mean, he at least talked about Jalen Brown having difficulties handling the ball. Gabe Vincent's been somewhat of a nightmare for him, you know, beyond the arc. Uh, but from Jalen's perspective, follows shot great. You know, he had a good offensive rebound to get a put back in. His pull-up game is strong. Um, his ability to get to the rack and finish is, is, is very skilled. 
Uh, you're you're right though. He just the two issues with Jalen and Jason. Jason will try to shoot his way back into a bad game from three when he should be going to the rack completely and going and getting to the line. And Jalen will out dribble himself, <laughs> which is what happened a lot. And which was, you know what? It ruined his 40 point performance in game three. Yeah. He had an unbelievable shooting day. Could score at will. But how many times were you like, oh, my God, Jalen, another turnover, another turnover. And Miami, for them to win, they got absolutely smoked and bamboozled in the turnover and rebound battle. Like, what, were, what would be some adjustments from Miami's perspective to combat that? Because it's just so because it's for me, at least, you know, maybe this is a separate topic that we'll get into after the question. It's just such a tale of two games. Every game, one game, the Celtics blow them out, the Miami blows them out, then the Celtics blow them out. And it's just, there's no consistency in this series. It's almost a tough one to call at times. Yeah, no, it really is. I mean, and even in, in this game, while you're looking at what, you know, how abysmal Boston was in, in, in game three with their turnovers, but Boston had what, nine turnovers. The turnover battle was even tonight. Miami only mm-hmm. still only nine turnovers. They just, couldn't throw the ball in the ocean and not that um, that Boston was lighting things up, so to speak, you know, they only shot 40% for, for the game. It was just one of those, you know, Boston was more aggressive, got to the free throw line, you know, it, it like seems like a thousand times more than, than the heat did. And just, you know, the heat were just never able to get into the flow of it. And I was on Sirius XM over the weekend and having a conversation with my guys on that too. And it was like something to you said earlier is like, well, Boston has the bigger team. But at, at, at one of the things about the Celtics that I've watched even over the years is like they've always struggled with with overall height and length. And I think they've always tried to get by on some um, some hustle and grit that they didn't necessarily have. I don't necessarily know that they are the more physical team by just by them being the bigger team in this series. I think Horford and and and, and Rob Williams and Grant Williams, now they're girthy they're, and they're very, very smart defenders. But I think what you saw some in some parts of the series is where Tucker and Bam Adebayo went out tough the Celtics for some rebounds and pulling that away. And that completely flipped the Z thing. Like that was completely the opposite in this. So it's one of those weird situations where I don't necessarily think the bigger team is always, is going to be the more physical team, but there has to be a certain level of, uh, there's a mentality that comes along with this and you have to want it. And Miami did not want it in game four. They just looked like they were content coming back here, getting to Boston and getting split, knowing they're going back to Miami and maybe they can get things on their, on their way from there. But um, this is a really, really interesting series. And I think for fans, it's tough to watch because, you know, there's so many blowouts, you know, in, in, in it as well, too, or so many large swings. And that, that's that's kind of not appetizing basketball to watch. No, I mean, you don't want to sit there and think, all right, you don't want to be there in the third quarter with 650 to go. The game is a 15 point game, 20 point game. And you're just like looking around being, like, all right, well, we may we'll stick around because it's a game of runs. Yeah. You want to be getting into that fourth quarter and like just like an NBA fan and being, OK, we have a serious game on our hands. Yeah. I mean, game four, three got to that point. But game four didn't have that. Game one and two didn't really have that. And it's unfortunate from Miami's perspective that they were so content going back to Miami where they're incredible um, and have always been incredible. But because had you gone to – had you swept Boston and Boston, the series is over. <laughs> think my, do you think Miami's losing two of the next three at home? No. no. Spolster's not dropped. Jimmy and Spolster are not. They've been there before. And it's so you can't, there's no stat. You can really measure toughness. But if you look at Miami, they're not a size, but they're a tough team. Exactly. PJ Tucker, 
Jimmy Lowry, Bam. These are veteran dogs. I don't necessarily, I don't love, I've never loved it. And I don't care what the metrics say or any kind of efficiency margins on it. I never loved the PJ Tucker big lineup where he's the five. How, how do you feel about that? I well, no, no. I, I mean, well, especially it, today. No, no. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, it's not highly sustainable, especially for where he needs to be, you know, where he's really trying to guard wings on the most, on the other side of it as well too. So he's not a plus rebounder. He's a physical guy. He's sneaky, you know, even in that way. And it sounds negative, but He's the guy like, hey, you get a rebound. You mean you better keep the ball high because he's going to duck underneath you and try to pop it loose from underneath you because he knows he doesn't have the requisite, you know, verticality, if you will, to get up there and, and bang with that. But he's going to be physical and try to box you and things and things of that of, of that nature. So um, Miami's got to figure out some different things when it comes to to those lineups. Um, everybody coming into the series knew that Dwayne Denman wasn't really going to be much of a factor and mm-hmm. you know we haven't seen him be any of that as well they, they know that they got to rely on bam and they just got to get you know tougher um, and more physicality from him and when he's aggressive offensively that leads to what he's able to do defensively as well too um and that all that kind of spells Miami heat basketball in the in the long term but you didn't see any of that tonight um especially with some of their shots falling short um and it just it was a weird thing where they let their offense dictate what their defensive level effort was going to be. And that's just not the way Spolstra usually coaches or allows this team to behave. And then just kind of it snowballed this evening. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's, it, they shot the Celtics, not only shot 84% from the line compared to the Miami 57, they shot almost three times as many free throws as they did. Yeah. Well, he Twitter is um, a blaze as a result. Yeah, you know what, though? <laughs> I mean, like, what are we? I Celtics Twitter, Mavs Twitter, Golden. Nobody, the away team never gets the fair shake, or the losing team, I'm sorry, never gets a fair shake from the refs. It's, you know, and I'll, I'll quote, uh, uh, I'll quote, uh, I think it's Zach Harbor who said this, you know, many times. He's like, there's no rules that says that referees have to call an even amount of fouls. It's, it's one of these misnomers that I think fans get sucked up in and it's like, Oh, well, look at that. It's, you know, it had to be unfair and that's not what it is. You know what I mean? There's certain, there's teams that are more aggressive, you know, and they deserve the aggressor goes to spoil, so to speak, but it is just kind of, it's a fan misnomer, if you will, that I was like, okay, that free throw disparity must mean the refs are cheating um, as a result of it. And that's just not true. So I'm glad you called that out. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. I hate to throw the players throwing their hands up. I hate when I find myself doing it. You know, I, you don't want to be rooting for penalties. I'm a Texas Longhorn football fan and I've spent half my football season rooting for penalties <laughs> for, for some break for my team. You don't want to be rooting for penalties and fouls. What's your key for the Celtics? to win game five and go to do Miami game six. What's your key for Miami? And maybe what's an overall key for this to just be a good game? Well, uh, it was Van Gundy. I think he said like both teams are extremely well coached, right? Obviously Spolster should have the advantage in, in the coaching battle, but both teams are going to be prepared. And I saw even Yudoka this evening when on many spurts where it seemed like there was just a, a hint of lack of effort from, from Boston. And I think he even kept his starters in the fourth quarter longer than he probably would have liked simply because he doesn't, he can't trust, you know, guys nine, 10 and 11, like, like Spolcher does. And at that point, Miami was playing with, with house money. I think if you're the Celtics, you have to continue to play with the same level of aggression you came out with in game four and, and not expect that 
you're going to whoop the Miami Heat and, and be up 20 points at the end of the first quarter, but you have to match their physicality um, and can continue to keep the turnovers down. And if you're Miami, you know, it, at this point, it's, it's, it's hunting, you know, when they have other guys out there, especially when Pritchard is out there as well, too. But uh, reacting to Udoka's adjustment of Tatum no longer, well, you saw it in, in some parts of the second half, but um, Tatum was, was moved around in action a little bit, kind of like what we were talking about needed to happen with Jalen Brown that's the best way, you know, for Tatum and Brown to get their shots, not just trying to go one-on-one against set defenses where Miami is able to set the wall. I think if you're Miami, you have to be prepared for, for that wrinkle from, from Udoka and then get, continue to get Bam, Bam out of bio to be aggressive. Um, this series though, from the Miami standpoint, really could hinge on the health of Jimmy Butler. I don't really know what's going on with that. I want to kind of hear what they have to say um, for, at practice. Um, actually, probably should listen to the press conferences, you know, here as a recording right now to kind of even see if they're saying anything, but Miami's historically never says, says much about that too. Um, but I don't, I don't think Miami can win the series if Butler is not healthy. And I know they've done a lot in this regular season with guys in and out of lineup, but the way Butler's played throughout the course of the playoffs he needs to be the guy that we've seen, you know, more or less throughout the course of the, of the, of the playoffs thus far. Um, and if he's not that, I think Miami's going to be in trouble. I, I don't think you can count on Victor Oladipo to beat this Boston team like Oladipo beat the, the 76ers team, you know, in the previous series. Mm, yeah. Now, Brandon, we know you cover NBA in a fuller scope as well in your other podcast. Can either of these teams beat the Golden State Warriors, which let's call David Spade and David Spade. They're, they're coming out of the West. Yeah, um, I, I don't see it, honestly. Um, I feel like Golden State is really, really humming right now, um, especially if they're going to continue to get Wiggins to play the type of basketball he is on both sides, on both ends, um, you know, getting double doubles and just really impacting things defensively while you know, getting, getting some scoring done as well too. Draymond, we know is just going to captain the defense and, and do some great passing and Curry's going to be Curry, Clay's going to be Clay. But to me, the key to that, what Warriors are doing right now is, is, is Andrew Wiggins, Kevon Looney as well. Um, and I think both of these teams, Miami and Boston are, are in for a tough one. Um, because it doesn't seem like either one of them are going to be fully healthy in that series more than more than anything else. And I think that's the biggest thing is the war of attrition that seems to be looming as a result, especially if Golden State goes on to sweep, which they probably will. They're going to be sitting back, relaxing, relaxing while these two teams continue to pound and beat up on each other and never know who's going to be in the lineup free from game to game. Um, I think that just plays in the Golden State's advantage, especially being a veteran team who's done this before. What about you, man? What do you think? I think both teams... My heart says Celtics. My head says sitting ducks. Hmm. Even if Kevon Looney doesn't play the way Kevon Looney has been playing. I've always said this about the Warriors, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson specifically. In my lifetime, they're the only two guys that I really feel confident and no shame to T-Mac and what he did in that Rockets game. If you're in two minutes and you're down nine, you could be up three. Somehow, some they are that good, that quick, that explosive, and that rangy. And the ball move, the ball movement that Golden State has going on right now, is noticeably different than any any other team that's active right now in the playoffs. Yeah, the way the ball flows from Steph to Clay, who's probably the best off-ball player I've ever seen, to Wiggins inside the drop-off pass the Looney inside he had the other game was incredible like in the paint these guys are just firing on all cylinders and this is a veteran I mean Green's got three rings he's been to four 
sorry, been to five. Steph's been to five. Clay's been to five. Looney's got a couple rings. Iguodala's not playing, but he's there on the bench. Obviously, Kerr's been to more finals than I think he's been to more finals than hamburgers I've had in the last year. Granted, I was like vegetarian for a large portion, mm. but still, like the guy is like it's incredible. And then you have guys like Wiggins who have found their home, you know. You have guys like Jordan Poole, who's an experienced young. He's young, but he was an experienced college player. So his ceiling may not have been as high as we thought or were seeing, but his floor was also solid where he was easy to fit into this team and understand and learn from his role. Guys like Gary Payton, too, will be back. They'll sweep them and they'll have time because I think this, this heat, this heat Celtics can go seven. Yeah. If this goes seven, all the, they'll be fully healthy. They've got three guys. I mean, I don't know what will happen with Wiseman, but they have three lottery picks that really can't see the court. Like mm-hmm. Moody and Kuminga get some run, but the, Wiseman, like even if he was healthy, like they don't right. need they don't need him. They're about to win the title without the second overall pick. Yeah, it's pretty scary. You know, it's it's frightening, and I think you laid out really great points. You know, when it comes to where Golden State is at, and just the veteran leadership they have now put in the right mix of youth. Um, to kind of give them an extra boost in that in that aspect and just continue to be extremely well coached and disciplined where either one of these Eastern Conference teams could have a chance where I think all four teams in the conference finals are known for playing relatively good defense. Dallas is the worst of those four teams when it comes to their defense. Boston is probably at the highest end with Miami being a very close second. I think Golden State probably third defensively. Um, Miami or Boston, assuming they can all survive each other and then get into that, Golden State does have the tendency to turn the ball. Over. Mm-hmm. And I think you could get into that where Golden State feels like, you know, they get really kind of lazy and cavalier and maybe even a little bit arrogant sometimes. And I think that can play into a team like Miami or Boston's hands defensively um, if you can get them kind of going sprawling down that. But the caveat to all of that is what you just said or in the in the beginning of this, you know, in terms of like they could be down nine, two minutes, and then all of a sudden up, down, up three. Their spurt ability is the best in the entire NBA and maybe best that we've ever seen. Like legitimately, he's the they're best never really player. out of it. He's the best spurt player of all time. Yeah, like Curry, can you go? Like he was having a bad game against Dallas the other game, and next thing he's got sixteen in the fourth. It's like yeah. it's scary. It's scary. They, this, I've seen them time and time again play bad for forty-five minutes of a game, and then win the game within the three-minute stretch. And it's like, oh, that was it. They scored sixteen points in three minutes, and that was a game and that turned everything around. They never panic. They never play outside themselves. They can turn the ball over, but they really don't force their, they don't force themselves outside of their own games. And they're more multidimensional, like I said earlier, than just the three ball. Draymond is such a good anchor defensively, and he plays such a pivotal role offensively in the flow of the game. Does not play outside his offensive game whatsoever, which many guys of his pedigree in this day and age, when a lot of people have the green light, would. I do think the Celtics match up way better. I think if it's the, I think they will sweep the heat, maybe the gentleman sweep. I think the Celtics have a better shot. I'm not saying that the Celtics are going to win this series necessarily because there's a lot, there's a lot because the heat have played two masterful games. I think smart on Curry, if he's healthy, makes things interesting. He's the bulldog of bulldogs. And then the Jalen clay is fun. I don't know. I mean, I guess they have to stick dream on, on Tatum, but then they run into some trouble down low with Rob Will and Horford. Yeah. Um, it, they may it, trust Wiggins to do to, to take care of that. Then you know, I think they trust Wiggins to, to 
to at least match up on tandem or at least continue to give him different looks. I think that's probably the best way they do handle that. Luca is a better offensive player than Tatum in my mind. No question. Yeah. I just think the, he's longer though. Tatum is longer and a bit stronger. Um, and his scoring from as he gets closer to the basket is a bit better. Um, and I think that's tougher for Wiggins, whereas Wiggins athleticism, speed and length gives Luca a tough time. So I think we're seeing the best version of Wiggins on defense. He's done and still Luca's gotten his, but I think that Tatum can give Luke, can give Wiggins a, a run for his money and not a good way. Yeah. Well, you know, we got to see what happens. I think Golden State and Cinder pretty and they can pick apart, you know, either, either one of these teams to figure out which matchup they're going to have. I mean, you know, as we're recording here, they still have one more game to get past Dallas by, you know, maybe Dallas forces it and makes a gentleman sweep, but either way, um, I think Golden State is going to represent the West and then, you know, these two juggernauts, Miami, Boston, just war of attrition, man. It's It's been a really, really interesting series to watch from um, the X's and O's standpoint of it. And then just kind of understanding who's going to be in, in and out of the lineups each game. But the on-court basketball, I think, has been rough for fans. And the tidal waves of emotion with the blowouts and things of that nature, like, it hasn't been the greatest thing, too. So, um, man, midway through the series, bro. <laughs> See how it goes, man. See how it finishes out. Crazy man, Warren. Thanks for hopping on. It's a pleasure joining you on the Heat Show, and then you know us filling in in the Boston Show for the Believe Network. Joshua Fisher, Warren Shaw, uh, fans out there, hit your free throws because they're free. Don't cost you nothing. Easy peasy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.